hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. At the risk of flogging this joke to death, I have sent Quickie off to an Amazon box in the next room. And I'm telling him he's not quiet till the end of the episode. I'm going to send him off to Stephen Alexander, who's very jealous. So I've got a quark in my house. I think everyone's jealous you've got a quark in your house. <laughs> Stop it. Um, I am here with the delightful Fraser Gregory, one of my absolute favouritest people in the entire world. Oh, we are here talking about one of his favouritest yes, Doctor Who stories, yeah, for yeah. strange and perverse reasons, the Dominators. <laughs> um, Fraser, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Well, we had a bit of a break, haven't we? Sort of half yeah. an hour. I've had a yeah. little catnap. Yeah, I'll bear... Fed the dogs. I've got the, the log burner burning logs. Honestly, it's God, all good. It looks very inviting, I have to say. Oh, um, awesome. Okay, well, I did just have a quick conflab with my brother downstairs, and mm-hmm. uh, he's got a question for you. Ooh. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so Mark's question is, had the quarks been, you know, a meteoric success um, and, you know, they were dashed back in like the Daleks? Yes. Which story would you insert them in, and why? Oh, um, Terror of the Autons. Oh, that's a good call. Oh, my God, they could have been marketed as toys. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of Autons, the master is sort of, you know, now the master of the quarks and not <laughs> just those. And then that does sound like one of those comic strips, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's kind of going around with them you know, getting them to do his, his dirty work sort of thing. And then obviously at some point they'd have to turn on him and he'd have to like join forces with the doctor to defeat the quarks. Do you remember that scene when uh, there's the Auton in the safe? Uh, it's oh, a, yes. The doctor would be going to the brigadier, look out, quarks! You know? <laughs> Imagine John Pertwee saying the that. The quark would be the safe. It would just like transform into a quark. But Mark, in a in a typically you know um, imaginative moment, said actually they'd be the perfect villains for a Sarah Jane adventure. Oh yes, which I think Absolutely. is true. And then he devised a scenario where, um, like Amazon boxes, uh-huh. uh, they go into a warehouse and it looks like they're just full of boxes, and all of a sudden the arms That's and the head, head burst and out, oh, my... and they're surrounded by quarks. Oh, right. So when's when's he pitching that the big finish? I don't know, but it needs to be done. Well, they did it do a to- they did do a story, you know, with toy Daleks, which turned out to it was written by Christopher H. Bidme. It was so bad he took his name off it. Yeah. I don't know. That's a nice idea, yeah. don't you think? Tell him to write it. Tell him to write it properly. Oh, well, well, have you heard his intros to watch who? I mean oh, he's pretty much writing his own version of Doctor Who as he goes along. <laughs> you ever heard those, those intros? Those um, Doskers ceremonies where they Oh, it just it warms my heart every time I hear him doing an intro and, and, and to watch him. He's just having so much fun, bless him. It's just and amazing. Sarah's there rolling her eyes, going, Absolutely. Oh my god. Like, yes. what am I doing? Do you know what's so it's even more of a win though when she joins in? I know. And she just know. goes for it, you know. Do you remember, I think it was it Sphere from Space, uh, the series seven one where he had her helicoptered in <laughs> across every location of season seven. <laughs> Bless his heart. Ooh, imagine living with him, honestly. It's a thriller minute, I'll tell you. Can I imagine? Um, 
Fraser, shall we watch episode three of The Dominators? We should. We should. We should watch this and talk about it and say nice things. Okie dokie. Well, then, if you are willing to count us in... I certainly will be. Let's go. go. Let's go in five, four, three, two, one, play. Now, I've been thinking about a question for you uh, whilst I've been away. You know, it's been Mm -hmm. stewing in my head whilst I was sleeping. (laughs) Why... I know, I know, right? <laughs> it was a nice little nap, though. Eh? A little oh, snuggle. Yeah. It was lovely. Um, why is this story so ill-regarded? Like, where does this come from That's... with certain stories like Underworld yeah. and Time Lash? And... Yeah, I think there's there's a few a variety of elements. I think, you know, there's the part of it is around sort of like the production of it, you know, the... Um, the costumes of the quarks, the cost not the quarks, the the Dulcians, the costumes of the dominators themselves. You know, it does draw a bit of ridicule. I think um, the fact that it is five parts, when possibly it doesn't need to be five parts, is is another thing. A lot of people call it boring, though. That's the the main sort of criticism I hear. Um, well, I always one... say Doctor Who can survive anything but being boring, and I think the ones I don't really enjoy and i enjoy most of it yeah because I, I could even enjoy bad doctor who as long as it's camp and silly and yeah bright and bold you know and yeah, ambitious yeah. but like something like underworld where it is i know you've explored underworld recently uh-huh. yes what uh-huh. the tv story as well yeah yeah i've watched, read the book and then i've watched the the tv story um and i think you know underworld is isn't that bad it's not as bad as, as everyone makes out certainly the book if you read the book first, which is what I've done, you know, I think it's a good way to start. Actually, it does because it kind of it takes out that element that you know big ele- elephant in the room of the CSO sets. It takes all that out of you, and it works a lot better. I like um, the CSO in Underworld, though. I I think I mean it, it's, it's pioneering. It's pioneering. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always. No, land. I mean, well, they just they didn't have, they didn't have the technical expertise. No, they no, were absolutely. literally trialing a new effect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, methods on but the fly. You, you know, you, you look at programs like uh, Mandalorian now and mm. Obi Wan Kenobi. They're all done with. Mm-hmm. There's not a single physical set in there. It's all just, you know, and to do it with a that big... budget and those lack of resources. Props to them. But it's just like I think it, the story is a little plodding and I think it's paceless and I mean, not necessarily. It's like you know, you have the first episode set on the. Um, the spaceship you you crash into the underworld and then you have like the three episodes following that with the um the trogs or whatever they call them the underground people and, dives, yeah yeah and kind of doing that sort of mutiny bit um but with with this one with, with the dominators i think you know i just don't see everyone leaps on this one i leaped yeah. on this one you know yeah. so i mean i think what's what's boring about it that's my question is what's what's actually boring about this story i mean i think it's it has actually got a fair bit of pace as well at yeah. times yeah I think it's there it's, is a lot of scenes of people sort of standing around talking or sitting around talking maybe that's the problem but you know the, these scenes aren't bad scenes these are not just like i mean the the one i always come back to is the scene in the time monster where john pertwee is dicking on with his wine bottle you know oh. that is that is a, a story going nowhere 
Well, it is, but I'll tell you what, I feel I still feel that scene is distilled Doctor Who. It is literally making magic out of odds and ends. Yeah, but it's it's literally um, a man sitting at the table talking to people. One of the characters, the brigadier, is literally stood next to him saying, Should we not go and fight the master now? Should we not go and attack the master? And should we not should we not just go and do something, John Pertwee? And John Pertwee's like, Nope, I need to put tea leaves on the top of my spoons and spin it around. And well, because he's trying to create a device to stop the time distortions and all exactly, that. It's an absolute nonsense bit of padding, and it doesn't <laughs> really work. And it's the most egregious thing about it is that it is oh egregious. It's in the middle of an era which is run by Terran Sticks, and Terran Sticks is the master yes, of padding. surprising. Terrence, and no, but it's surprising that it's, it's as sort of terrible as it is. So, the thing is, it's noticeable. It's absolutely, it sticks out as, you know, and it is literally because, you know, part of it is because the brig is literally stu- sat there going, should we not move on with the plot now? Should we yeah. not move on? Well, it literally has the brigadier running on the spot in episode yeah. one. Doesn't it, it does. Like, it does so trying but, to move the plot on. That's that's the scene I always come back to and say, right, there you go. There's bad padding. That's, yeah. that's an example of where the pattern doesn't work. When you've got something padded in here, and we're going to come to it in a, an episode or two's time, which is the the main scene where having argued and argued and argued for four episodes, um, Rago and Toba actually get down to an actual confrontation. And that's, that is the bit that Tim Sticks wrote. Um, it's terrific, that scene. It's terrific, you know. And, because it comes to a head, doesn't it? Yeah. And he calls his bluff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Terran Sticks padded in two ways. He firstly he would put a chase scene in. Mm-hmm. You know, he had had the budget, so he'd stick John Pertwee and Bessie, and they'll blast around, and people. Will oh, chase that's always him. fun. It's absolutely fun. It's great fun. Um, really passes the time. You know, he gets a whole episode out of it in Planet of the Spiders, and it's marvelous. Or he has arguments. People argue about stuff, and that's a prime example. And it just it works. You know, you're not watching it thinking, "Oh, this is." I don't see everything subjective, but I don't see how people can watch a scene like that and go, well, I'm bored now watching these two argue. I've often pointed at like reference books that came out in the 90s, early 2000s as having sort of concreted fan wisdom over the years. But is it a case that a story is identified as like a weak link and then everyone else sort of just piles on top? Like they don't really look for the strengths they just go oh yeah that's the dud and we can all rip the shit out of that one i think that's an element of it as well um i think you know receive fan wisdom plays a part in it that you know back in the day someone thought it was bad that someone had was fortunate enough to write a book that book was one of few resources that other fans had to Mm. um to learn about Doctor Who, about you know, especially if you hadn't seen it the first time around, if you're in the eighties and nineties and you haven't had the opportunity to see these stories in the in the sixties, in the seventies, that you know, these reference books are a bit of a, a bible. You know, we don't have the access to other opinions that we do now. That's what I was gonna say. You don't have the internet then, do you? No, so you don't, you don't have and you don't have podcasts and you don't have no. you know, so now there's this diverse myriad of opinions, this multiverse of opinions about the dominators out there. And yeah. if you want to go out there and find a positive an opinion, well there's gonna be a Fraser Gregory there waiting to tell you how marvelous this is. Oh you know? absolutely, absolutely. And you know you, you get the opposite as well. You'll you know for every story that you you love you will find someone now that will quite happily you know, take a dump on it. But 
But I think know, I think we're every more story stimulated has a... to think yeah. about things now, aren't we? Like to give yeah. our, a unique opinion rather than to just sort of accept, yeah, yeah, that's terrible. But I think you know we're we're in a better position now that where we can you know through podcasts, through Twitter, through blogs as well, like your own, we're now in a better position to say actually this is the received wisdom and this is why I disagree with it and why I do agree with it and you know people now have more opportunities to put their opinions across for better or worse you know um so i've I've, I've always i I had to put on my blog at one point yeah in the byline this is a subjective opinion because people were coming at me as if i was telling everybody this is how you must think well this is it um i think this also happens doesn't it you know you will go out and say oh this is brilliant this is good and you will get people that come back at you and say it's not Okay, fair enough. You'll go out and you'll say this is awful and dire and miserable, and you'll get people come back with you and say it's not. Again, absolutely fine. What you find is it goes. In, I find it goes in a bit of a cycle. Um, you know, you have ups and downs of popularity. <laughs> so, you know, a good good example of something like the the gunfighters, where you have that is you know accepted fan wisdom that is terrible story, and it goes. You know, people think that until people actually get the chance to see it and more people get to say, actually, you're wrong. And it gets higher thought of, but then you get something like um, David Tennant, who starts off being really, really popular, but because it's popular, the popular thing then becomes yeah, to say... To say actually, is he as good as all that? Yeah. So there's an element that people will be contrary because it makes them feel cool. You know, that people will think, oh, well, I'm going to say that Genesis of the Daleks is terrible because... I think you and me, in fact, our dear friend Simon Art's thrown at both of us that we can yeah. be a bit contrary at times. And it can be fun. Me yeah. saying that Series 8 is better than Series 5 yeah. can be fun. You yeah. saying the Dominators is an all-conquering classic can be fun. It can be. And I think, you know, I'll acknowledge that in myself, that there is a certain element that if you say it to me, you know, watch this, it's brilliant, it's the best story ever you know there's a part of me that is going to go ah, let's find the faults then you know and if you but if you do the opposite if you say it to me here you go watch this one it's absolutely diabolical look at the effects aren't they rubbish this story's just a nightmare i'll sit and i'll go right let's pull out the positives then so but you know, know what? i think that's something that makes you very interesting because i think there is an element of you of like, I think like when we talked about the Tenth Doctor and Rose, and that's a uh, <laughs> dynamic yeah. that was so popular, you know, and it's the one that everyone goes, well, that's the best of Doctor Who. The rest should just all be ignored. And there's you sort of picking it apart, saying, is it as good as all that? Let's look at this properly. Yeah. And in the same breath, you'll look at something that's like, shut on from a great height, like the Dominators, and go, well, actually, look at all the really good stuff yeah. that's in there. I think you can you can do. But that's different. Sorry, sorry. Yes, it's, it's different. What you do is different from like somebody creating a Twitter account and, you know, visibly hacking people's oh, uh, yeah. threads just to go Jodie Whittaker's, you know, the worst thing ever to happen in Doctor Who, you know, because what you're doing is stimulating conversation yeah. and you're encouraging the person to talk back and say, well, why do you think that? Yeah, that's that's, that's very kind of you to say, thank you. Well, you're very um, welcome. But this, no, is why, is... this is why you are whoring yourself out on all these other podcasts, because you're very good at this, you know? <laughs> I do my best. Um, but no, there's, there's absolute... Stop calling you a whore, sorry. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, there's, there's absolute truth in that, is that um, 
you know, people do get attention from being negative, that people, mm. those people will go out, out of the way to find um, mention of Jodie Whittaker and say, and Chris Chibnall and, you know, say something <coughs> negative because they know that they are going to get um, a response. It's trolling, basically. It's, you know, I'll say something bad. I'll get the attention through that because then someone's going to come at us. Four or five people will come at us and I'll have an afternoon of, of human interaction, albeit people, you know, slating us and whatnot. So there is that, that, that kind of element to it. But I think, you know, you can be critical, but you can also be fair and, and positive as well. Or you can just do what me, me grandma used to say. And if you, can't say anything nice. Don't say anything. Don't say at anything at all. Yeah, you know. But I think you know if if you look at it that way, you know, people do have a right to opinion. People do have the right to say, actually, I don't enjoy this. I don't enjoy. I haven't enjoyed this era. Um, so I Hart will always say that you know Peter Capaldi's era was his least favorite era, but and that's fair. Fair enough. You know, we're all going to have ones which we favor above the others, as long as you know we're respectful of of everyone's opinion of saying, well, okay. You've said that. I disagree. How am I going to express that to you? Am I going to just come steaming in with, you know, two short sentences, or am I actually going to try and have something a bit more nuanced with you about it? Do you know what the worst I think is? Is it's not even you know those trollers. It's the the sheep. They're the ones I really don't like. And I used to be that person because I used to say to to my ex husband, "Oh, everybody's saying that about this," and he'd mm. go, "Oh, really?" Who's everybody? Yeah, you know they're all saying this. Oh, who's yeah. they? You know, yeah. and you and you kind of take this sort of collective opinion and just yeah. make it your own. It's you the sort of person that reads, you know, an article in the Daily Mail and then thinks they're the expert on that topic, and suddenly goes to somebody. Oh, how many? How many marketing experts have we had in the last few oh, weeks? Yeah. yeah. How many experts on pirates and script editing and special effects and CSO have we had over the last you know year and a bit and, and whatnot? But like I say, it's it's fine, it's it's all subjective. That's your opinion. You know, remember that's your opinion. Bear that in mind and bear that in mind that my opinion is different. But also bear in mind that, you know, something that I love, if you're gonna come and attack it, it's you know, it's 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 likely to cause a bit of upset. You know, if yeah. you're gonna you know, come at someone and say, oh, this thing that you've just, you know, ranted about. I don't think most people about. have any peripheral awareness of how you're feeling, though. So, no, like, you know. No. Um, and again, you know, it's, I find what I find difficult is is when people are expressing a negative opinion is to to kind of back away from that because my instinct is always to say, well, I love this, so this is why. But that can have the same effect because you're like then, well, why are you attacking me for this? Why am I not allowed to not like this? Yeah. Why can't I just say, like, oh, Dominators is dull and boring and rubbish and Blah, blah, blah. Why do you then have to come steaming in with golf, 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 quark gifts, and 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 all the rest of it? It's like, yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's like if you don't like it, you don't like it. What's weird is that sort of that determination to crush somebody else's yeah. opinion. Yeah, and it's like you're never going to change my opinion. Why are you doing this? You know, yeah, like absolutely, you're but... just making me feel bad, and you you come across as a superior twat. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, coming back to what we should be talking about the the dominators so you know we've, well, we've got yeah. the scene now yeah this thing goes sometimes you know we've, we've got the scene of them now in the council room they're all sitting around you know debating about it and yeah you might think 
people could look at this and go, this is, this is boring, but this really speaks to me of, of this society, again, coming back to this this hubris of this society to say, well, all they can do because all they can do is sit around and, and talk about stuff. And that's why that's the sort of message that the writers are going for is, you know, this society thinks it's so enlightened because they've, you know, chucked away weapons and, and whatnot, but look where it's, it's ended them up in the face of a catastrophe. You know, it's, here comes Brian Kant, the um, the, the actual director, <laughs> the Secretary of State for Emergencies, and he's going to come in and give them the, the three options, which is basically you run away, fight, or sit and do nothing, and all they can pick because they haven't got anything else to do is sit and do nothing. Um, but it's, mm. the way it's played out is, I think, is... is well, really... what happens is the Dominator just walks in. Yeah. There's no resistance. He just walks <laughs> in and take the court kills one person. They're like, yeah. oh, fuck, we're screwed. You exactly, know? <laughs> because we, we have literally got nothing else we can do. We've got no yeah. defence against this because we've given away all our defences, essentially. And that's that's really the um, the the message that LinkedIn and Hazeman are going for. I think it's really, uh, we kind of talked all over it at the beginning of this episode, but it's really portrayed when the doctor comes in and says, you are going to be invaded. Yep. You need to get up off your asses and yep. fight these people because that's yep. what, that's his approach. Yeah, yeah. And they're all sitting around going, well, we could, <laughs> we could have a meeting about that in three weeks time, you know, and <laughs> first of all, we need work. to discuss the refreshments. You know, <laughs> like, well, I'll tell you what, I've worked for people like this. Yeah. I genuinely have been that person going yeah. look we're gonna sell these things you know if we don't get out there and get marketing well you yeah. know well we need to talk about the logo for the next 10 years you know yeah yeah absolutely you know we've all been there it's like okay leave it with us and it needs to go to you know the next level up and they need to sign off on it and it needs to come back and you think like that's three or four weeks of a decision where if you'd made it now if you just went and said do that but the the other race that we need to look at is the Thals. Well, quite. Yes. Because the Thals are, are very much the same in, in the Daleks. And the first... It's the same message, isn't it? Yeah. yeah Why not? Because I think isn't the message here is pacifism is bad. That's the message, yeah. So the message the... there is... Oh, no, that's kind of the same, isn't it? Yeah, it they're is. saying you have to take up arms sometimes in order to... They do, but I think... Protect yourselves. It's, it's interesting that, you know, the, the Thals get a pass because they do go and fight the Daleks. Eventually, the Do the Dulcians don't because essentially the, they don't, you know, they're actually incapable apart from Cully, who's now turning into, you know, he's he's got that sort of grimy sweat on him now, so he is becoming mm. Bruce Willis. Romantic hero, yeah. Yeah. Give him a um, bandana and a machine gun and he'll be fine. Exactly. You know, no one complained that Bruce Willis was a bald man saving the saving if, everyone. But... If you'll forgive me, I think the morality in the Daleks is more black and white than the Dominators. Because it's very clear yeah. in the story, yeah. no, they don't do this. Yeah. Yes, they should do this. And then it has a positive outcome. Whereas that doesn't work here. I think it's it's more black and white, but morality in the Daleks is a lot more troubling for me because essentially the Doctor and Ian force oh. the Thals into fighting. And a lot of them die. For no other reason than to get the Doctor spark plug back. Well, I mean, I do think the Daleks were planning on coming out and murdering them all as well. They do they don't know that the at Thals. this point. No, no, they true. don't know this at this point. The, the Dalek plan of, well, actually... You know, the Daleks don't even think of this themselves until they get the Thal drug and realise, actually, we are so reliant on radiation that 
the best thing for us is to flood the planet with radiation again. Then what we come out of was city and take over, blah, 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 blah. It will destroy the Thors, but hey-ho, such is life. I mean, it's um, troubling, but I think it's more interesting. Yeah. well, that's it throws case, that shade it? on our regulars and we're like, mm, yeah. is this right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we really forget that in the very second story, you know, Ian literally is, is going to drag Dionia? Yeah, Dionia, you know, in, yeah. You know, away just to get a reaction so that they will then fight but the only reason at this point in the story that they are going to fight is to get that, to get that bit of equipment back. So but do you know what? That You've just highlighted something brilliant there, though, because that's a sort of sophisticated and sort of morally ambiguous characterization that's going on mm-hmm. in the dark. There's none of that here, really, is there? <laughs> like, in Troughton's time, we've ditched a lot of that. I think it's more subtle here. I think it's there. It's, oh, just it's more, very subtle. It's more, it's more <laughs> I subtle, didn't notice it. That's how subtle it was. I think, you know, at that time, we don't really know where the the characters are on land. And, you know, it's it's a brand new series. You know, we know we've got this hero, but he's very anti-hero at this at this point. You know, a couple of weeks later, earlier, he was willing to break a caveman on the head with a rock to get back to the ship. You know, so we, have, we haven't really settled on the Doctor being as this sort of... Um, champion of the wronged as it were you know he is just very much a man but i do trying think harlan's doctor is called out on the choices that he makes whereas yeah, i yeah. don't think trout's doctor is i don't think the companions are strong enough to say like in the seeds of death he goes around murdering a load of ice warriors does. and nobody says to him nobody... should you have done that no That's... no he's if you look at him he's, <clears> he's a lot more mani- manipulative yeah. than you would you would think I always look at Matt Smith as being a combination of the second and seventh doctors, because he's also got that that skill of being charming, disarmingly wacky and childish up front, but underneath there's a lot of you know the <laughs> what well, I find that we're trying to are turning. Matt Smith is it's actually very deceptive because they yeah. sort of play up this childlike exuberance. Yep. And they're capable of doing really terrible. What yeah. you know, Solomon is appalling yeah, in yeah. dinosaurs on a spaceship. Should the doctor be able to say, No, do you know what? You deserve to die and walk away. I don't know. It's I don't know. You know, I think it's interesting though. With with that one, I think, you know, the doctor gets pushed too far. You know, Solomon pushes him and pushes. It's not just like Solomon is a bad man, the end. Solomon is a bad man who continues to do bad things and bad things and bad things to the doctor. So, you know, the doctor knows as soon as he meets him, there's something fishy here. And it turns out, yes, he's he's literally killed thousands of Silurians one by one by, you know, ejecting them from the airlock. Then he shoots Brian. Then he kills the Triceratops. And then he, you know, threatens rape to Nefertiti. It's just... An escalation, so you get to that point. Oh at the no! End. Don't get me wrong; he's loathsome. He, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like, it's, cr- it's, in creative terms, he deserves to die. Is it should it be the doctor that Makes delivers that choice? Yeah, delivers that blow. Though is, I think it gets to that point where it's, you know, and it would have been nice that it would make it a bit more explicit that the doctor has been pushed and pushed and pushed to the point where he does something that he shouldn't do because of how far he's been pushed, but. Coming back to, to, to Troughton, you know, you see this in the end of the Ice Warriors. You see, yeah. you know, they're all stood around. Eventually he's going, well, we need to fire up the ionizer and zap the ship. What do we do, Doctor? And the Doctor says, oh, don't ask me. It's your choice. You know, it's like... 
I think the Ice Warriors is one of the rare times in Trouncine where they really focus on character first, above mm-hmm. plot and monsters, and they're doing a bit so a bit more interesting because you've got the whole sort of store Penley thing, haven't you? Yeah, um, yeah. And Clint on the other side. Yeah. But going back to the Daleks quickly, you've got a clear definition of two sets of regulars either side of the argument, and they battle it out. Yeah. They could have done that here because you've kind of got Zoe, who's a bit enlightened. Yeah. from the future and you've got you've jamie got who's a warrior from the past yeah and that might have been a really interesting discussion to have it would have been yeah i think um the, the interesting thing about the trout as well is how flat the team structure is as well oh you're pulling out yeah. a whitaker reference there i am yes I am. <laughs> you know you, you look at the first doctor it's very much you know i'm in charge susan's the granddaughter you know do as i say i'll smack your bottom um, <laughs> yes sort of talk thing. about troubling honestly yeah yeah um you know and that kind of leads as well with in like vicky as being the younger and the doctor being the elder character Um, you look at pertwee pertwee is so much in charge it's unbelievable you know um and again with the fourth doctor he's always the one that's you know pulling the strings blah 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 you come with the second doctor and especially <laughs> with this team especially with um Zoe and, and Jamie, they are able to influence him a lot more than any companion is able to influence any other doctor. Um, classic it's a example. Lot of fun as well. He kind of goes, yeah. oh, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, I mean, look at the mind robber part one, you know, the, yeah, the TARDIS is getting yeah, in, yeah, yeah. is swallowed by lava, and it's Jamie and Zoe who are like, no, you need to do something. We can't just ride this out. You're going to have to, you know, well, it's when they're they're outside the TARDIS beckoning him out and he's going, yeah. no, I won't leave under any circumstances. Oh, God, my friends are in danger. I'm going. Yeah, it's, but, yeah, it's you know, you, you can't imagine any other doctor where, you know, you can't imagine like, Joe Grant saying to, to Pertwee, oh, doctor, you need to, you know, eject us from this reality. And, you know, it just wouldn't fly. It's, it's only really this one where they have that sort of influence on them. But I don't want to I don't want to point at the dominators and say the characterization isn't. So as sophisticated as the Daleks. I don't think this era is as sophisticated in terms of character as the William Hartnell years. I think there's more distinct personalities working and the dynamics of just very different. You're right. They're generally always pulling in the same direction. The yeah. Doctor, Jamie and Zoe. Yeah. They're, they're trying to defeat the monsters or bring down the villain or do whatever they're trying to do, you know? Yeah. And I don't think you miss it because I have never missed it until we've had this conversation and I'm going, oh, actually, maybe that would have been quite interesting here. It does make you think, doesn't it? It's another what if. Yeah. Do you know, I'm truly hoping. I'm glad that Quickie's in that box out there because I just saw a dominate uh, a quag in pieces <laughs> with smoking legs and his yes. poor little ball rolling yep. about in the quarry. Yeah. Absolutely appalling. Well, look, um, he's, he's shouting something to me from the corridor now about another one of his adventures. What's, what do you want to tell us about this, Dane? Uh, well, if you thought the last one was wanky, listen to this. I mean, this sounds like absolutely delightful. So he's recalling a particularly harrowing time when he was attacked by terrifying water pistols whilst being hidden away in one of the Celestial Toymaker's toys being utilised by the Tremus Master. (laughs) Yes, that is a story that in fact does exist. (laughs) And the Tremus Master 
with a celestial toy maker's toy a... that turns out to be a quark. quark. Oh, I mean, I'm 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 with it because you know quark and the toy maker goes well together. It's just you bring in the Tremus master and it's like, yeah, this is this. It's just the big finish. Random. No, no, but that's not that's that's a comic strip. A I'm comic wondering, strip. you know, you know, if with some of those comic strips, you know, like when you're a child and you get an exercise book and you start scribbling away Doctor Who adventures yeah. full of all of your favourite elements. I just I just pulled a couple of exercise books off kids and went right. Let's go with it. Yeah, because that's kind of what that sounds like, doesn't it? it does. And the other one with the ogrons and all that. Oh, yeah, Christ. Well, look, Fraser. We didn't talk about too much about the dominators in that one, but I do think yeah. there was some interesting discussion there. I think it was. I think it was. Should we uh, try and talk a bit more about them in episode four? I, I'm absolutely desperate to do so. I do believe you've put something out on Twitter. You know, have you had any responses? Um, let me have a look. Well, well I've tell you got what. one. Okay, well, you have a look so at that and fire it at me, or I'll fire it at you, whatever, in episode four. Four. Oh. 